Welcome to episode 6 of Cloisterville, a weekly Doctor Who podcast. Today we will be discussing Demons of the Punjab. Hello, welcome back to the Cloisterbell podcast. This is episode six of a new Doctor Who podcast hosted by me and Liam. Hello. Hi there. Um, I'm Rob, by the way, if I haven't said already. <laughs> and I'm Liam. Okay, so um, coming up, we're going to be talking about Demons of the Punjab, which was tonight's episode from our perspective, because we've just watched it. Um, it is the sixth episode of the series, and we've also talked about the first five episodes, if you check out our older podcasts. Um, but Liam was absent for the past two weeks, um, so Liam, what have you been up to? Well, I've been on a, a bit of a, a jaunt. I, uh, me and a couple of friends, we went on holiday. We spent about five days in Berlin. Uh, then after that, we went to Seville. Um, so I suppose there's a bit of a Doctor Who connection there being the setting of the two doctors that isn't the reason why i went folks but anyway um spent four days there and then one day in cordoba Wait, so, what was the, what was the weather like in seville oh seville was fantastic berlin as you can imagine at this time of year was 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 quite cold but seville mm-hmm. was a was a nice contrast it was basically sort of like our summer although yeah. to the locals um because when we checked into the hotel the receptionist uh, had the heating on full blast to them it's freezing oh, no. <laughs> yeah but uh <laughs> But it was it was absolutely glorious weather. Anyway, so it was a it was a nice nice send off, nice way to end the holiday. Yeah. That's cool. Um, is the, do you think? Because um, Colin Baker took his jacket off, didn't he, for that story? <laughs> yes, he, yeah, yeah. Was that because of the weather? Do you think? Oh yeah, it's got. I, it, it, I, it I always thought be. that wasn't in the script. I always, I thought he thought like, oh, I'm taking this off. It's too hot. Yeah, I mean, I think it was probably the perfect excuse to ditch the yeah. damn thing in the first it, place. It was a better look for him, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he did because um, he ditched the coat and he had a different coloured. Uh, he had a different waistcoat to the patchwork one. It just, yeah, it, it was a, it was a lot more visually pleasing to look at. Um, it was obviously it was it was on location, like mm-hmm. vivid daylight, lighting up in um, a better outfit. Um, so visually it was good, and then you have some naff Santoran things flying through the sky, kind of <laughs> breaking the mood. I, I haven't watched the two doctors in a long time. No, no, neither have I. I was, I was tempted to to watch it just for the sake of it before going, uh, before going on holiday, but um, didn't get round to it. Yeah, my memory, uh, my memory of it in terms of the the Santoran spaceship was that it was quite well done. Mm-hmm. Um, just that like you're saying it looked a bit naff, but um, yeah, I wouldn't mind going back to, to watching that again. Actually, yeah, the um, Santaran ship's been used um, quite a lot since. Obviously, in series four, we saw them a lot with the mothership, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And we got to see one. Have you seen um, the Sarah Jane story with Karg? Is this the Sarah Jane Adventures? Yeah, sorry. No, no, that's fine. Um, to be honest, I've only seen a handful of those. I haven't. Ah, uh, right, okay. Uh. 
See, I've I've seen them multiple times because my daughter just still loves them. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and um, but we see his ship there, um, and there's a bit more detail in there. All right, okay. Yeah. But it's weird that story because they kind of made the Santaran feel like the predator because it's in it's in the woods and he's kind of cloaked, sneaking up on them, and then he kind of takes his mask off. Oh, that sounds interesting. So, I feel like um, they were ripping off pre- Predator a little bit. Possibly, but actually, I think. But uh, maybe I should go and watch that episode because, from the way that you've described it, 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 to me, it sounds a bit better than how Santorans have been utilized in the main series since it came back. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds yeah. that sounds quite yeah. good. Well, I could think of a handful of really good Sarah Jane stories. Um, that we can we make a short list of them and look through some of the better ones maybe because mm-hmm. there is like five series um to get through if we did it if we looked at all of them so that would take a while mm-hmm. i didn't re- i knew it went on obviously for a few years i didn't realize it was uh it was as many as five yeah. that's quite good yeah that's quite good uh i mean obviously we we know it came to a premature end unfortunately um mm-hmm. due to the early death of um elizabeth sladen but uh f- mm-hmm. five years is, is quite um it's quite a good running yeah, definitely. Yeah, and have you not seen any of class yet? All of ten minutes of a particular episode. I can't oh, really? remember. I cannot remember which episode. It was a little bit into the series because I missed a, I missed a handful, mm. and by that time, I think it had already established a reputation of not being particularly good. Um, but I, cho- I, I happened to tune into uh, into an episode, and I think I watched. 10 maybe 15 minutes at a push um i th- i thought it was I, th- I mean within that short space of time i think there, there were some bits of it which were okay and then some of it which was just bordering on a bit naff mm-hmm. but i mean to, to to rate an entire series on all of 10 minutes i, I don't think is particularly fair yeah see uh i watched it all and i didn't I thought people were being a bit unfair. It, like people were so negative about it. Mm. Um, and you know, like I don't know. It's just it's just another show in the Doctor Who universe, and people seem to just reject it, which is a bit of a shame. Well, so, I think it's interesting that because uh, I know that Big Finish are doing their own audio adventures of class, mm-hmm. so it's interesting that that they have obviously seen something where it goes well. We other than the fact of continuing the franchise of Doctor Who, that mm. there's something interesting to tell there narratively. Yeah. So at some point, perhaps... Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind actually yeah. going back and watching them. But anyway, there's a bit of a claim to fame. Um, when I was in Berlin, I think it was my third day there, we went, uh, me and my friends, we went to uh, what's called a museum island, and there's, about, there's five museums uh, within very close proximity. Um, most of them are lo- looking at antiquity, and they're really interesting. If you're really into into history and you're in Berlin, it's definitely worth going. But one of them is um, the National Art Gallery, and um, I basically dragged my friends there because I'm really into art, and they're not particularly fussed. But anyway, we went, and as you can imagine, it's Berlin, so there was a lot of of German paint uh, painters, a lot of names I didn't recognise, but it, but it was interesting, but. One of my favourite paintings, uh, Isle of the Dead by Bokken, was there, which I had no idea it was. So I was sort of buzzing being able to see that in person. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then because uh, the National Art Gallery has three floors, so we're on the third floor. By this time, me and my friends have, have separated, and I'm just looking at a particular art piece. And then my two friends uh, come into the room, and they're really, really excited. And they're going, "We've just seen one of our favourite artists. You must come." Uh, and obviously, I'm just thinking, "Well, they're not really in art. This is a bit. <laughs> this is this is a really interesting <laughs> response." Um, Maybe it's a really, really world-renowned, famous painting that we that we weren't aware of that's in this art gallery. So they drag me into the other room, and then one of them's going, "Listen for the voice, listen for the voice." I'm going, "Voice? What are you talking about?" <laughs> uh, and then, and then Sir Patrick Stewart walks into the room, and according to my friend, I end up um, blushing and going really red in the face he tends to exaggerate i don't think i did but i certainly went wide-eyed uh wanted sir patrick stewart but that's <laughs> but that's the last thing i expected I, was just, I remember just going wide-eyed and just going oh it's it's patrick stewart if only oh. they'd prepared you for it you could have acted differently <laughs> well maybe because what happened was because when they originally uh, approached me and go oh one of my favorite artists is here and then um the, the friend who was sort of like vocalising all this told the other one, don't tell him who it is, don't tell him who it is. So they were <laughs> deliberately keeping it a secret and I'm just standing there within fractions of a second going, oh, it's Sir Patrick Stewart. Oh, wow. I bet he's on holiday. I don't <laughs> want to pester him. <laughs> so, what I ended, so what I ended up doing was I stood there wide-eyed for a second or two and then just went back into the other room where I'd come from. Um, <laughs> what... Uh, what it, I think it's probably just as well, just backtracking a bit, um, because later on my friends kind of filled me in um, with what happened. So my one friend had was in a room looking at a piece of artwork, and then he heard this really distinctive voice and went, that sounds like Sir Patrick Stewart. So he turned and it was. So he ended up approaching him and um, uh, Patrick, because one first word, <laughs> first names, no, anyway, uh, uh, he was with a friend and... Um, my friend went up to. I was like, "Oh, just to let you know, I, you know, think you're a really good actor, and I really appreciate your work." And um, Patrick was, you know, said, "Oh, thank you very much." And then that was it. And then my friend went to get my other friend and kind of tell him. But then what ended up happening was because they were t- they were really excited, but then it just so happened that the direction in, that they were going in the art gallery happened to be following them. Oh, now, obviously, nice. Patrick Stewart and his friend don't know this. They think they've now got two stalkery fans, but they then but then they've gone on ahead to find me. And then Patrick Stewart's walked into the room, and then I don't know what his reaction. He was probably going, "Oh God, there's a bloody third one now." <laughs> so anyway, I'm standing there wide-eyed, going, "Oh, it's Patrick Stewart. Oh, I can't pester the man. He's on holiday." And then I've just gone back into the other room. Then what's ended up happening is a few seconds later he's he's joined me and then he's standing side by side next to me and then we're appreciating the same piece of artwork together briefly. Wow. Yeah, I know. But it's sort of that thing of I don't want to pester it was really and maybe I should have, you know, just said hello or whatever, but I didn't. And then I just anyway, so that was it. And then that that moment was fleeting and then he carried on. Then I just um went through the rest of the art gallery but it was funny because you just you could tell where he had been because he was just leaving this wake of incredibly <laughs> excited people he just went oh but i can guess who's been here but, but what ended up happening was uh, my two friends really wanted to get a 
photo. So they ended up following uh, uh, Patrick and his um, and uh, the friend that he was with, and <laughs> it, the later I'm so pleased I wasn't with them because it got really. Did they get arrested? <laughs> no, but I mean the way, but, the way the way that they were behaving, it was what uh, one of them basically turned into the paparazzi and clearly really really annoyed them to the point where. Um, the friend that was with Patrick actually went up to them and non-verbally confronted them and made it quite perfectly clear that taking photos in this, what was supposed to be a covert way, but wasn't, uh, wasn't on. Uh, so, so not only did uh, I meet uh, briefly Patrick Stewart and stood next to him admiring a piece of art, but my two friends managed to really, really annoy him. So that's my claim to fame. Uh, do you think if you'd been, in, if you'd been more prepared... You, there's any scenario where you would have mobbed him? No, I wouldn't have mobbed him because it's um, <laughs> it's it's not who I am as a person. I maybe would have um, maybe would have casually said something. I was just going, "Oh, yeah. hello, I think you're a good actor," or something. Mm. Something you probably go, "That's really nice," but I know. Um, <laughs> That's interesting. This reminds me of um, I don't know, maybe five years ago when me and you were in a bar with Sylvester McCoy. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> and he, he was clearly tired. <laughs> and you you were like, Rob, do you think I should go out and speak to him? And, you know, he, he was clearly wanted to be alone, and you kind of left, and he went outside. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was saying, no, no, he's tired. And you were like, no, no, I should. And uh, <laughs> I kind of wish I hadn't held you back a bit. <laughs> no, <laughs> but... just spoke to him. I've completely forgot about that. That's quite surprising, because I don't... Th- that- all right, okay. I thought I would have been a bit more calmer than that. Yeah. But that was our very first Doctor Who convention. And we, I think we were... Because yeah. I remember the first day when we arrived, we'd mm-hmm. been queuing up um, for the for the tickets to get in. Or, the, well, mm-hmm. the, the band, uh, the wristband. Yeah. And you were standing behind me, and then I turned to talk to you. And then there's Wendy Padbury trying to squeeze in. It was just, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, just seeing someone that you've... you've yeah. regarded as a childhood hero for all those many years and just yeah. sort of oh she's there quite yeah. close is a bit odd um, and then an- another moment when we were when we just arrived um we, we just uh we're, we're in a queue were we in a queue for paul mcgann first i think i don't know and there's t- and i guess peter davison we ultimately didn't show up but um then all of a sudden janet fielden just bursts out of the elevator and runs up to her and, she, and she's, she's ranting on about him. Oh, yeah, I remember that because uh, at that point we didn't know that he, he wasn't going to turn up. I think it turned out yeah. that there was some filming on Law & Order that suddenly happened. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was great. Janet Fielding just, like, randomly popping up and then talking to the entire queue, basically going, oh, he's always late, he was always late, and then basically yeah. just kind of, like, rubbishing Peter Davison, yeah. which was quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know, um, when you were in Berlin, mm-hmm. and you messaged me saying you were going to Frankfurt, is that right? The airport, or something? Oh, that was, was that... just a, that was just for a connecting flight. I've been to Frankfurt before, though. Right. Yeah. Well, you said that, and then I thought, I'm sure I saw something on Twitter, and Katie Manning was tweeting from Frankfurt Airport the day before you were there, leaving the convention there. Oh, right, okay. So I'm just saying you missed her by a day. At first I thought, was she there today? I was going to message you. <laughs> what, just one just so you, Just so you could mob it in the airport. On the, on the, yeah. on the, on the chance that I bump it again. Yeah. 
Oh, the poor woman. No, it's probably uh, just as well. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the thing. It's sort of. I think now it's um, if you bump into someone famous, it's sort of fine. I mean, I, um, there's but there's very few people I think that I would that I'd feel that I would really have to, you know, say something. Um, yeah. Peter Gabriel who's a musician whom I've respected for, for, for many, many years. I think if I bumped into Peter Gabriel, that that would be something that um, I would, I'd go very fanboy over and probably wouldn't yeah. be cool. But it'd be like, can I get a photo? Can I go, oh, I wish I had your album so you could sign them all and you know, all the rest of it. Um, yeah. But on the whole, if it's sort of like, um, I'm just trying to think of someone whom I like. But... Um, but yeah, musicians. And I guess like there's a difference if you saw like a Hollywood movie star, that that would be uh, you'd feel that would be hard to approach them, wouldn't it? And you'd feel a bit um, excited then. But like if you saw like a British soap star or something, you'd just be like, meh, that's that's so and so. It's not that important. I don't know. There's quite a difference, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because <laughs> you, you, you wouldn't I'm feel as starstruck by some people, but you would by others. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, because I, I I'm not particularly uh, into um soap operas or yeah. anything like that so no i yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't feel it's it's just like oh i recognize that person but yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah it's sort of like if i bumped as i say peter gabriel or, or neil tennant or something like that you know i think it would tend to be musicians or um oh i was very very fortunate enough a few years ago uh back in i cannot remember when it was i think it was 2016 when Kate Bush um, was uh, doing her concerts down at London Hammersmith, I was very fortunate to get a couple of tickets and I, I went to see a performance. Um, and it was an absolutely fantastic concert. It was absolutely brilliant. Loved it. Um, and then later on, finding out that Gareth Roberts, um, the writer, um, mm. happened to be in the audience at the same time. And it was like one of those things of, I've seen Kate Bush live, which is, <laughs> you know, she's only done that twice. Uh, back in 78 I think it was and then back in 2016 um, so it's very very rare she's one of my all time favourite musicians I've been there absolutely fantastic but it would have just been the icing on the cake had I bumped into Gareth Roberts as well there's <laughs> <laughs> uh, no pleasing some people <laughs> sorry I'm just looking through some of the books Gareth Roberts has wrote mm-hmm. I've read some of them he's um, I think the first he did The Highest Science and Tragedy Day I think was very good Mm-hmm. And in terms of, in terms of the Doctor Who uh, television episodes he's written, they're always, I'd, he's one writer I'd love to see return. Yeah. Um, because one, I think he's very good. I always enjoy his stories. Um, the Unicorn and the Wasp. Um, yeah. Is is one is, uh, what genuinely one of my all time favorites. I absolutely love that episode. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I've definitely read his new series books, Only Human. I think that was the first of the ninth Doctor books, and I am a Dalek, which I think that was a, sh- uh, a quick read, mm-hmm. which I read. It must, but that would have been uh, two thousand six. So um, while you've been away, Liam, mm-hmm. we've we've now got a web address for the website cloisterbell.co.uk. Oh, fantastic! Yep, and on there we've got the links to our SoundCloud page. Mm-hmm itunes page so if anyone's got itunes they can search cloister bell podcast 
and download them there. Um, and links to our Twitter account, which is at Podcast Bell. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. The Podcast Bell. And there's a link to our Facebook page as well. Oh, excellent. And um, for any listeners, um, don't hesitate to get in contact. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. All right, so in the last two episodes of the podcast, I talked about arachnids in the UK and the Suranga conundrum. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything you want to talk about those? Um, just briefly, um, arachnids in the UK I thought was a very good episode. I really enjoyed that one. Um, as has been discussed previously on the podcast, I'm not particularly keen on spiders. So I did find the episode quite um, quite chilling and I thought that, well not chillings, uh, but creepy. Creepy is probably a better word. I did find it quite creepy. I thought the spiders were realised quite well, but I think the, the creepiness was balanced really well with the humour. Um, mm-hmm. There the, the were moments that uh, generally made me laugh out loud. I thought once again that the cast were really, really good. Um, I think one of the biggest biggest points was Yaz was a bit more centre stage. Uh, we've commented that we, you know, thinks she's a really good character, but compared to the others, um, she hasn't been um, realised as fully as she could. And this seemed to be the first episode in which she was a bit more centre stage. She's a bit more established. Um, we get to see our family. Mm-hmm. Um, members of the family for the first time and that was handled really well and with hindsight probably was a really good way of introducing them so when it came to Demons of the Punjab it didn't feel completely thrown at us uh, afresh so actually I think I th- with not only did it work in terms of the episode of itself but with hindsight I think shows a good uh, construct for the series in terms of, of how her family are introduced. One of the things I thought was, um, which was really nice, which just goes at the very beginning of the episode, was that when it seems like what later became Team TARDIS uh, mm. were saying their goodbyes, the, the Doctor's really um, quite emotional about the, the, the fact that she's going to be alone. Um but clearly she wants to spend time with these people who she regards as her friends, but she doesn't want to force the issue. But as soon as uh, Yaz mentions, do you want to pop in for a cup of tea? I loved how Geordie Whittaker played that. There wasn't, there wasn't a, it was, there wasn't a moment's hesitation. It was just, yep, great, off for tea. I really liked that moment. I thought that, that was, that was really rather nice. Yeah. Um, just picking up uh, a point that you made uh, in your podcast when you were talking about the episode because funny enough when I got around to watching it and the whole thing to do with the the giant spiders and how they came to be the first thing that came to my mind was the John Pertwee story with the Green Death uh, which you which you mentioned as well um, and although you said that you didn't mind it you felt that it was uh, perhaps a bit of a cliche um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah but, uh, possibly it is I think uh, I don't mind that as much I think really at the end of it it's I mean you relish original ideas um, but at the end of the day, it's it's about the quality of what is written and how it's presented. So yeah, perhaps it was a bit of a cliche. It did feel like it was a bit of a nod to the mm-hmm. Pertwee era from all those years ago. But um, it's, uh... I like the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah, so like yeah, yeah. Um, but I didn't mind that, and I actually thought that in terms of the in terms of the story, I think it serviced it. Um, I think it serviced it really well, and. 
Yeah, so I enjoyed Ar- uh, Arachnids in the UK. One thing that you did mention was it looks like that the pre-title sequence, which has been a big part of uh, the show since it came back, is maybe a thing of the past. Mm. Um, it is certainly looking that way, but that's not something uh, I'm, I particularly mind. If it functions the story, mm-hmm. um, then by all means have it. Um, but if the story doesn't need it, it it doesn't need it. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be there just because that's the way it's always been done. So th- yeah, it's it, it is something worth noting. But in terms of whether that's um, a loss for this uh, for the show, I don't I don't, I don't particularly um, think that myself. But on the whole, I thought Arachnids in the UK was a very good episode. The conundrum episode. Um, well, before we move on to the the um, conundrum episode. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the ending of uh, Arachnids in the UK? How it was all wrapped up with the spider being shot and Chris North's character just goes. I mean, he might be back, he might not, but mm-hmm. how do you think that was resolved? I think in some respects it could be argued that maybe it felt a little bit rushed mm-hmm. um, because we are aware that the, spy- uh, the, the, the smaller spiders have been locked in a safe room Mm. and then nothing on that's really mentioned again so in that respect maybe it was a maybe maybe that could have been handled a bit better um i but in terms of the the huge spider i thought that was handled really well and quite surprising where we actually or i certainly did when i was watching it actually felt sorry for it yeah. Um, because it was slowly suffocating to death, which is not a particularly pleasant way to go. Yeah. Uh, and I thought th- that was that was a, a nice um, surprise where you actually feel yeah. you know uh, emotional about it. I yeah. thought that was handled quite well. Um, I wonder, um, you know, how we've been talking about racism and how a generation can be um, just made to feel how this behaviour is normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting. I don't want to. I'm sure they don't mean to put a parallel here, but it's interesting how a, a lot of people will just kill a spider without giving a moment's thought. Um, and and I, to be honest, I don't. I don't like to do that. So it bothers me when people do that. Mm-hmm. But that shows another level of like um, ignorance we've got towards them. And you don't. You don't. Offer, you don't. You don't usually feel empathy for them. You know what I mean. Because they're just insects. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it sort of balance, it balances out because no one wants their home with a lot of insects or arachnids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's a, uh, I suppose it's balanced. I suppose if it's sort of like one or two and they're quite small and... Yeah, because there's that whole thing, you know, which is actually mentioned in the episode, you know, the, um, spiders fear us more than the other way around mm. i mean mm. that's the thing with arachnophobia it is a phobia it's, it is completely irrational yeah. um and i recognize you know i recognize that but i i cannot help it i i find spiders creepy <laughs> and yeah it yeah. is completely irrational i mean in the uk i mean if you were in somewhere like australia where you can get massive ones which are bloody poisonous um then i, th- uh, I, th- I think that the fear there is rational yeah but here, i mean but... there's obviously there's obviously a reason we fear them mm. it all comes down to the study of like genetic memory and instinct how it's, it's like the cats you know how cats are terrified of cucumbers <laughs> oh yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's all that about i mean they're not, the, not the best vegetable on the planet so maybe they have a point but yeah 
maybe there'll be a good Doctor Who story about that. A good past episode where so- something went down with the cucumbers and now all the cats are scared of them. The cucumbers of death. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry, I distracted you. We're talking about the Suranga conundrum. Yes, um, I think that obviously this is just a personal opinion. I think that could be regarded as genuinely the weakest episode of the series so far. Mm-hmm. I thought, I mean, I thought it was fine. It's it's inoffensive. It was a perfectly functional episode, but it, there wasn't anything there that, that sparked. Um. It was fine that there were some, you know, there were good bits in it. I thought the production design was really rather good. You, In your podcast about it, you mentioned the music. And funny enough, that was one of the things that hit me. I thought the incidental music was um, was really rather good in that episode. Um, and I really liked the design of the Pating. And it was, that, that was nice. I thought it looked good. I know that uh, some people have criticised the CGI of it. I actually mm. thought it looked good. Um, yeah, well, like I, me- I mentioned, like the, the the texture of the skin, you know, it looked it looked really good. It was really detailed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think if I did, I felt that the pacing of the story was a bit off. It seemed a bit um, rushed. I think there were far too many characters in the in the episode mm-hmm. for what the story was. So when. Um, what was the name of the general? Was it Cicero? Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, one of my favourite Roman uh, philosophers. But anyway, um, when General uh, Cicero dies, it doesn't have the impact that I think that they wanted it to have. Um, no. Because, and I want to make it perfectly clear that I'm I'm criticising the writing here, not the not the actress. I thought that the part was played really rather well. Mm-hmm. Um, but... The, the character didn't have the impact. She she wasn't in it for an awful lot, considering how long the episode was. And I no. thought that... Um, I've forgotten the name of the character now. The, the, the character that uh, that is pregnant. I actually uh, found... Is it Ross? No. Hold on. Yoss. <laughs> Yoss, yeah. Yeah, Ross um, is the guy from Friends. <laughs> yeah, with... Um, with Yoss, I actually found I actually found that part of the plot quite irritating because mm-hmm. it slowed everything down. Yes, it's it's sewn in and, and utilized in order to um in order to provide uh, Ryan with uh, with character development, which is absolutely fine, but I think it could have been utilized in a much in a much better way or written into a future episode. I don't know, it just it, it I just found it that a bit, was a bit out of place. It was a bit out of place. I found it a bit irritating, and considering that we've got General Cicero, um, who you know is is pivotal is pivotal with how the story progresses, and you know there's this really heroic death, but it yeah. doesn't. It there's no payoff. It I didn't feel any emotional connection. Yeah. It uh, as I say, it was it was a perfectly fine story. Um, I'd probably say it was average yeah. five out of ten, um, but considering the strength of the episodes I've gone before it, I think that emphasises the disappointment even more. But yeah. it was fine; it was functional. It, it provided. Um, I think it, you're right, though. There was obviously the subplot with the pregnant guy, mm-hmm. and they probably could have utilised a subplot with getting to know General Cicero, if we needed to um, feel sorry, if we needed to feel the impact of her death. 
Yeah, I think that would have been a a, a much better way to... Yeah, Yeah, I think that would have been a a lot better. But as I say, you know, it provided uh, diverting entertainment for 50 or so minutes or however long the episode was. Mm -hmm. Perfectly fine. Um, But not one that I'll rush to re-watching again, if I'm honest. A forgettable one, maybe. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. So did you see the um the guy on the news that looks like Ross? Have you seen that video where he steals the beer? Oh, sorry, it took me a while. Yeah, 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 I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> For a moment there, I thought you hadn't seen it before. No, no, I did. and I, I, I mean, it was clearly a lookalike, and that was how it was reported in the news. But then the actor who played Ross then actually <laughs> had to officially state that it wasn't him. Uh... And he... he um. He reenacted it. Have you seen that video? Oh, no, I haven't seen that one. You haven't seen that? Oh, you need you need to look at it now. What, right now? All right. right now. Uh, will it be on YouTube? Yeah, it'll be all over YouTube. All right, so am I going Ross Steele's beer? That's exactly what I've just wrote. In the oh, right, okay. There. All right, okay, hang on. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's actually shown as Twitter officers. I swear it wasn't me. As you can see, I was in New York to the hard work of Blackpool Police. Good luck with the investigation. It wasn't. <laughs> uh, that was about her. Oh, that's quite fun. I love how the fact that he's even, even reenacted it, which is quite nice. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, um, on to tonight's episode. If we or must. last Sunday's episode, if you're a listener. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't want to, yeah. Don't want to confuse you. Yeah. Okay. So, quick question: Did you like it? Yes. Good. So did I. Good. Well, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. Well, I think we've pretty much ran out of time anyway. So <laughs> that's the quick version. <laughs> well, initially, I thought it reminded me of um, Father's Day. Do you remember two thousand five episode with Rose's dad? Oh yes, that was a that was a really good episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought is there going to be a, a change in the timeline somewhere? Mm-hmm. And still throughout the episode, I thought has something been changed? You know, if she's got the wrong grandfather yet, grandfather there. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the case. No, no, I think I think in that respect, it was it was like episode three, Rosa, where it was um, events haven't changed. It just so happens that Team Tardis were actually. Mm-hmm part of the history yeah and you know it was um another historical story that we've got mm-hmm. um do you think it do you think it could have been a good story without the aliens in it yes i think yes i think it could have mm-hmm. but um i think people are going to and i can understand this i, I suppose i'm doing it a bit myself i think that if anyone's going to compare this to another episode it would be rosa mm-hmm. um because if there is a criticism that could be leveled at demons of the punjab uh i think it i think it's to do with the the fact of how they look at a real historical event so mm-hmm. with rosa um, you had the science fiction elements, which is obviously providing the fiction of the episode. But mm-hmm. that surrounds 
what was a real event. Um, the episode introduces to something that happened, and then you have uh, the moment of protest on the bus at the end of that episode. Yeah. Um, and those events, uh, with the exception of yeah. the do- the Doctor and um, uh, Graham and all the others being present, is how it took place. Yeah, it so, doesn't deviate from the truth, but it might put a bit more emphasis on it. Yes, I th- yeah, that's a that's a really good way of, of summarizing it. Whereas with Demons of the Punjab, it it fictionalizes a real event. There's no, mm. it. Um, I suppose you could say it it tells the broader truth of it. Um, but then, I mean, I still think it was a it was a good episode, and it was genuinely very emotional. But as I say, that if if there was a criticism that could be leveled at it, I think it, it, it's the fact that it gets a real uh, event like this and fictionalizing it. Having said that, though, if you were aware of the petition, um, then even if you, it's a story worth telling. But if you're aware of even the the, the, the smallest uh, bit of the partition, I think for an epi- for a program like Doctor Who to touch on it, it's really rather difficult. So, because, I mean, it's mentioned within the episode, millions of people were murdered. Mm. Um, Hindus, Muslim, uh, Hindus murdering Muslims, Muslims uh, murdering Hindus, mm. Muslims murdering Muslims, Hindus murdering. Uh, uh, Hindus murdering Hindus as well. It's um, yeah. It's 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 a really really difficult um, historical period to look at. That isn't to say that Doctor Who sh- shouldn't touch upon it. Um, and hopefully, if Demons of the Punjab has a, has an impact, it will it will make people look at that history. Yeah. Um, I think maybe if there had been a, another subplot. That could have um, explained a bit more about the culture, couldn't it? Instead of the alien subplot. Yes, possibly. Because, uh, but... I mean, the the episode does give like a, a strong message. Like, you've got Prem's character before the wedding. He's like, um, we're being told our differences are more important than what unites us. And he's, he's such an optimist about mm-hmm. it all. And, of course, his brother isn't optimistic about it you know he's just he's like oh well this is just the way things are you know embrace it and mm-hmm. so the the story does it does give a good message um so maybe a bit of um a bit more cultural information probably could have helped that gave it a bit more impact possibly but i think but then having said that though i think with the message which is that um and now we're being told our differences are more important than what unites us um, I mean, it's it's very similar to the, the words that Joe Cox is remembered for, um, with her, her with her maiden speech that she gave in the House of Commons. Okay, it's yeah. it's it's similar on 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 those lines, and and so w- when you're looking at that, when you're looking at that sort of um, sentiment, mm. um, maybe going. Re- because I think that if you if you were to go more into the, the the cultural aspects of it, and actually that wouldn't harm, um, but then how how far how far into it um, how far into it do you go? Because mm. at the end of the day, this is a, this is a Doctor Who episode, which is only yeah. fifty minutes long. Yeah. Um, there's only so much you can cover, and actually, m- maybe it was 
the writer's intention of going, look, this is a really important uh, part of, of history, uh, the partition of India. It still affects um, the world today. It still affects mm. relationships between India and Pakistan and Kashmir. Um, mm. Having the science, having the science fiction element with the with the aliens in sort of softens, ma- makes this makes the story palatable for for family viewing. Because at the mm. end of the day, this was millions of people were were, were murdered. Um, yeah. There there are many books that one can read on this. There are many documentaries which really look at how how harrowing um, partition was, and it's it's touched upon. Uh, in this episode and i think for an episode for, for family viewing maybe and for a science fiction show like doctor who it can only do so much mm. and you got you certainly got the emotion of because really what it was doing was it was looking at partition and putting it in a microcosm between how the how the characters that we see and how they relate to one another um and the emotional impact of of separating communities which have been living together for centuries but on the whole i think it was uh it was certainly a very powerful episode and uh, and very emotional i think yes yeah. yeah and it was it was hard to miss the message that was trying to trying to come across wasn't it yeah yeah uh i think interestingly in terms of the series this is this is the first episode which isn't written or co-written with uh, chris chibnall it's um Avine patel um, mm-hmm. who has written the episode entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are going to notice this, aren't they? Because Ch- Chibnall's obviously getting... Uh, people are obviously keeping that, um, paying attention to how he's performing, you know, it's his first series. Mm-hmm. Is is he doing a good job of it or not? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's safe to say that he is doing a very good job. As I said before, um, the Conundrum episode was... was you know, uh, which was written by Chibnall is probably the the, the weakest of the of the series, mm-hmm. um, but it was it was perfectly fine. But everything everything else up until that point has has been really really darn good, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, following on from the conundrum episode, this fa- this certainly feels like for me a return to form for, for the series. I think it was a very very strong episode. Um, and certainly allowed Yasmin to shine, which is something yeah. that we've we, that we've commented on in in pretty much every podcast. Which was like, yeah, because th- Ryan took a bit of a backseat in this one, didn't he? Yeah, he did. You know, and th- just and I mean, in the way of development with his character, this I think this this episode was more effective than Arachnids for um, making us relate more to Yasmin. Yeah, I agree with that. And as I said, I think probably the way that Yasmin was was and her family was written in Arachnids uh, in the UK, I think was was actually a, fine for the episode. Maybe just on of itself, you could go maybe a bit more strengthening here and there. But in terms of the overall series, actually, with hindsight, because now we're watching um, Demons in the Punjab, it um, it. It provided a really good introduction, so that when we come to this episode, we know who these people are, and it, it allows us to just crack on with the story. Yeah. So I think that if there's any more poor episodes in the series, I think we can excuse them, can't we? Um, because the, this has shown that this series can still keep the momentum going. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, no one... 
no one creates anything or create in this case creates a television program in order to create duff episodes or whatever mm-hmm. you know everyone's yeah. striving to tell a darn good story yeah and, and, and entertain um a lot of things get branded as being a filler episode and that's mm-hmm. not the case is it no no it's um you know people behind this want to tell a good story that they're there to entertain and grip and engage us the audience but every it, you know it's going to be patchy um I mean, personally, so you've got Demons of the Punjab, which I think was a very good episode. But personally, I thought Rosa was a was was a better episode. And in that regard, you've already got a comparison, you know, a personal comparison. But it's 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 still good. Uh, it's always it's always going to be patchy anyway. I can't, in terms of Doctor Who, I can't think of a um, a uh, a season or a series which was you know consistently perfect. Mm-hmm. It's obviously a hard show to write for. It's not like a soap opera where it's the same setting every week. It's really like an anthology show, isn't it? And you've really got to build a new world each episode, uh, in sense in in the sense of like a setting. Yeah, yeah, and that's one thing that I think's always been consistently said from from the classic series to the new one of getting someone who gets the show, understands mm. how. I mean, yeah, the the format's flexible, but there is a but there is a format and it is unique to doctor who getting a writer who understands that understands how to write the doctor in the place of the doctor it's it's actually really rather difficult mm-hmm. um lots of script editors uh, and with all the all these characters now it, logistically it must be a bit of a nightmare just um telling the narrative throughout the series you know it was probably easier when it was just the doctor and one companion um, so it must be a bit, of, a bit more of a challenge now. Yeah, yeah, I would four say so. Char- four characters on the TARDIS. Well, do you think? Do you think that having four members of the TARDIS crew is therefore a bit too much? It doesn't feel like it because mm. you've got you'll have two of them going off one way, two of them going off the other way, mm-hmm. um, and that works even better, doesn't it? It's never it it doesn't feel overcrowded or anything. No, no, I, I mean, no, it, it's definitely not overcrowded. And I think that, um, I mean, I think we both agree on this point that we like all, we, we like them all. They're yeah. really good uh, characters. And the actors that they've got to play yeah. them are absolutely superb. Yeah. But I think maybe balancing them out yeah. uh, within a given story is perhaps a little tricky. Because as, as we've said, Yasmin hasn't really sh- shone until no. now. And then... It's interesting as she shines, then then Ryan has to sort of narratively take yeah. a back step. But having said that, though, um, the way that the characters have have been developed uh, as the series has gone up until this point has been balanced quite well. We've seen yeah. Ryan develop um, quite well within the last few episodes, so he yeah. can afford to take a back step and Yasmin yeah. step in. And it's interesting he takes a back seat for this story. Because he's responsible for my favourite scene in this episode, when he's like, "Bagsy, not chicken poo." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was classic. Uh-huh. And then that that's sort of like <laughs> that nice interaction uh, later on between him and Graham with to do with uh, getting the uh, the oxes spit. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, talking of which, that brings me on another point because this was the first time in the series where I thought that the Doctor's use of the screw uh, sonic screwdriver was perhaps getting a bit much because there were mm. mo- within a quite uh, close succession 
um, she kept on using the song Screwdriver hither and thither. And then when she was then when she was using it for uh, to analyze um, the the alien substance, I th- it, it was at that moment I was like, oh come on, this is a bit lazy. But then thankfully it just so happened that's when the sonic screwdriver failed, and then the doctor had to use uh, traditional analog methods to mm. to analyze it. And I thought, oh right, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um, it's it's not lazy writing at all. Um, I thought I thought that was a nice touch that it's like right we can't keep on just um, using the sonic screwdriver constantly as a as yeah, an easy definitely. as an easy narrative get out. Mm. Yeah. So one thing I've been thinking of for a few episodes, obviously, in this episode, Yasmin, um, is just pretty straightforward about it. She goes to the doctor, and asks to go and visit her nan. Mm-hmm. And one thing I'd um, observed about Ryan and Graham was they never once asked the Doctor to go and save Grace or go back and visit her. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you think that's one thing that would come into anyone's mind when there's a time machine involved? That's true. Um, maybe that's something that maybe picked up in the in the series later on. We don't know. I suspect not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because once again, uh, as been as was established uh, with the previous episode and the beginning of this one, there are there have been adventures which we haven't been privy to, mm-hmm. and that could have been a basic point yeah. uh, that, that the doctors explained during yeah. that gap, which is you know someone's passed away, um, yeah. we c- you know we cannot interfere. Yeah. And in all fairness, that is actually answered uh, in this episode here. Mm-hmm. When um when Prem dies at the end, there's no the, you know it's 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 established you know he dies it's a you know it's it's something that that has to happen in order yeah. for these things to happen which allows ya- uh, Yasmin to exist in the first place it's uh, yeah. it's something that we have to deal with yeah. and I think with a character like Graham uh, I think he would have the way that he is written and was was once again was was portrayed in this episode here. Was he has the maturity to to understand these things, and the doctor understands that Prem has to die. Do you think there's any other versions of the doctor that would have made the choice to try and save him? David Tennant's. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the tenth Doctor, I think, would have made that. But then yeah. that became a major narrative um, point in Waters of Mars, which I thought was a really really good episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then he realised his mistake of, of having to having to do that. So I think certainly the tenth Doctor immediately yeah. leaps to mind in that. Yeah. Um, the twelfth Doctor, obviously, um, when he saves a shielder. You know when he's looking into the um, when he's in the in the uh, barn with Clara, and he says, "Oh, I know why I chose this face." Yes, because of that, the, the whole thing moment. of Pfizer yeah. Pompeii of yeah. at least save one life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think this this is something that marks a narrative change, which which we mentioned uh, when we were looking at the very first episode of the series, which was, I think it appears that Chris Chibnall uh, understands the the narrative importance, drama and emotion of death. Um and it's 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 place within Doctor Who. I think one of the, and I I think that the show has taken a much more mature step 
in in dealing with dealing with that that you know that death has to is a, is a natural part of life um uh it, it takes place we we have to emotionally deal with it um and i think that's i think that's i think that's narratively very responsible yeah um but also it's um but also narratively it obviously aids the drama as well and i think that, that's something that i really applaud chris chibnall for doing for doctor who that death takes place we follow it through um and you know for younger viewers it provides that that life lesson that this is something that you know we all have to deal with at some part in our life it it's one of the things that ironically makes life worth living he's taken that narrative responsibility in order to do that and as i said obviously it it aids the drama as well and that's something that i really applaud chris chibnall for one of the things that has irritated me a bit with um with a new series as it's come back is its complete inability to to deal with death in a meaningful way yes we have seen uh people die but usually on the whole it tends to be um uh, characters we the audience haven't established emotional connection to mm. if it if it is if it is one of the main characters who has who has died you can guarantee that within a week or two they come back in some form and that's not very satisfactory no um, but Chris Chibnall seems to be taking a much more different approach with regards to that, and as I say, I, it, it's approach I, I much prefer. Yeah, it's probably a bit worrying as well because you don't know who you don't know who could die now, do you? No, um, that's true. But yeah. then it. Um... And also, we'll also presume that um, Ryan is just going to suddenly accept Graham as his granddad, and they'll all get on at the end of the series, and they'll be happy. But it could go the other way, couldn't it? Because I think it's important that um, well, it seems important that the show um, what real life's like. Mm-hmm. This series, do you think? Yeah, that's true, and I think it's it's certainly one of the strengths of this series that these characters are are very grounded and very real. Mm-hmm. And just talking to friends friends of mine who who I've mentioned before are not fans of the show; they're just general viewers. It's something that they're really responding to very, very well, which is that these characters are, are, are yeah. very real. I think, I mean, my personal preference would be, and I think this is the direction that the show is going in anyway, is that I think Graham and, and Ryan will be reconciled at the end. They clearly get on in general anyway. Um, whether Ryan recognises Graham or refers to him as, as, as granddad is, is, is another matter, but I, I can't see them being a massive falling out. I think... I think if anything, the show will will demonstrate how people deal with grief differently. Mm-hmm. And again, that that was um, that was touched upon in the second episode of the series. Um, a bit whether that's picked up later, we don't know. But mm. I think that's probably the uh, I think that's probably the direction, if any, that um, the show would go in. That people deal with uh, grief differently. Yeah, and I wonder whether or not if any of the companions die. I wonder if there'll be any changes to Team TARDIS for the next series. I mean, that's a possibility, and in some respects, that that, that goes that goes back into the point of how the show is dealing with death, and um, mm-hmm. it really emphasises the danger that Team TARDIS are put in on a on a week to week basis as we you know as we as we watch them on these adventures. It it allows to. Um, 
aid and emphasize the danger that they are in uh having said that though i i at the moment i hope not because i i really like um the tardis crew in this series and if the decision is made to kill one or more of them off um fair enough um obviously it would depend on how that was handled but at the moment i would quite like to see them at least continue for another season because you know i really enjoy i I really like these characters and i really enjoy watching them i mean that was going back to the david tennant era when um when catherine tate uh joined as a regular as, as donna i really really liked her character and although i felt her departure was certainly one of the most emotional that the series has done um was very powerful um as a viewer i would have liked to have have seen her continue for at least another year yeah i know um and it's interesting you know when she returned in the end of time mm. it was nice to see an actor come back for such a minor role wasn't it you know we've had um we had rose come back in such a big way in the foreground and and uh donna was in that story and mm-hmm. she didn't even interact with the doctor did she no, no. If if anything, it was sort of yeah. I see what you mean. It was it was a bit of a cameo. But yeah, it, yeah. it was nice to see um, Catherine Tate come back. Even yeah, even if it wasn't wasn't in a major way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the look of this alien race, and um, because you know what, they had their faces were just clearly just a, ma- a a static mask, and the mouth didn't move, and that was very kind of sixties, wasn't it? Yeah, I see what you mean. I, th- I th- yeah. I haven't said that though. I think the design in and of itself, I think, was really rather good. That they were very yeah. striking, um, and they looked brilliant. And they don't, they didn't need to look really animated. No, uh, I mean, the, no, I mean, I, to... I don't mean in a CGI way. <laughs> I mean, like in a movement kind of way. No, no, yeah, yeah, I got what you meant. <laughs> no, no, it was, yeah, it was quite nice, and I think it got that balance right. I think um, I should really find out uh, the name of the designer because I think they should really be applauded because. Um, it was a superb design because when the doctor describes them as assassins and you look mm. at the design you go yeah these are really uh, evil uh, aliens and then later mm. on when it's just narratively explained that actually that's what they once were but it's not who they are now so they're actually compassionate yeah uh without any change of design at all you actually see that they they are compassionate i just thought it was a really superb design that just mm. Just with the way that the, they are described, you see them as such. So the Doctor describes them as assassins, and you go, "Yeah, they 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 look evil." Um, yeah. <laughs> but then actually, Riz goes, "Oh no, uh, actually they've, they've developed into be quite compassionate." You go, "Yeah, I can kind of see yeah. that. They do look quite." Compa-. So I think that was uh, a, a superb, um, superb bit of design. They managed to get actually what was probably a very difficult brief, mm-hmm. and and delivered really really well. Yeah. Um, and and why? Think... Sorry, go on. No, no, I was just going to say that. I, th- I think that is. I think that is probably one theme um, throughout the series that we haven't actually touched upon. That actually, on the whole, um, with the exception of the alien in the first episode, mm-hmm. you know, which is uh, you know, sort of like the the, the monster. Um, yeah. On the whole, the monsters in. Uh, the following episodes have either been friendly, compassionate, or misunderstood, or mm. just or just going off um, basic instincts uh, of survival. 
whereas uh, misunderstanding and cruel actions have been undertaken by humans. Yeah. So, with this episode, Demons of the Punjab, initially, we think that the demons refer to these alien creatures. But actually, Mm. as is mentioned within the last five minutes, actually, it's... um, The demons of the title are actually... Ah, right. The the difficulties of... um, of partition, of how cruel humans can be. That's the demons that has to be uh, contended. That's actually the demons of the title, um, which I thought was quite good. And actually, if you sort of, I think if you run backwards through mm-hmm. the series, as I say, possibly with the exception of the very first episode, all um, any questionable actions are actually being done by humans. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And I guess you could see a parallel with this alien race, how they were these horrible assassins, and eventually um, they became compassionate, you know, to an extent. And um, I guess that fits in with the message that that they're pushing about humanity, about how, like how in Rosa and Demons of the Punjab, how the the humans are the bad guys. Yes, uh, and I think... And, and there's a message of trying to... Uh, get a hopeful future for the human race yes but i think um i think it's very telling that these aliens um didn't learn compassion until their entire home was destroyed mm-hmm. and i don't think it was a coincidence that the episode was broadcast on the day of remembrance okay um i mean it may just be me but the fact that it was broadcast on the 11th of november carried a bit more resonance Mm -hmm. especially as um you know prem has mentioned that you know he fought in the second world war Mm -hmm. um and then he dies and you know he's he's murdered in effectively what was another battle yeah um so i mean it may just be a coincidence in terms of the scheduling but that was something that uh that i was aware of and, and carried further resonance with me so one thing that I think it's been very. We uh, we've mentioned it uh, previously. Um, I think when we were discussing Rosa, um, we've talked about the the music of the series. Yeah. I think it's been very good. Uh, this was an uh, this episode w- was uh, was another uh, brilliant episode in ter- uh, well in terms of everything, but uh, in terms of the the incidental music. But in in terms of. Um, the the real highlight for me, I think, was actually the the Indian or Punjabi arrangement of the theme tune during the credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I thought that was excellent. Yeah, definitely. And I'd heard about that on Twitter earlier on today. Ah, uh, right. Well, it was a complete surprise for me, and I, I really liked it. And it was because uh, initially I thought were they going to do something similar what what they did to Rosa? It was going to be um, you know music which was emotionally connected to the moment, but not. Uh, not anything to do with the theme tune, but when I was listening to the vocals of it, I went, oh, they're actually singing the Doctor Who theme, and uh, I thought it was really, uh, I thought it was handled really, really well, and I yeah. loved listening to it. I thought that was good. So we're halfway into the series now, and we're at the stage where we can compa- contrast and compare all the stories, and we've had a mixture of past stories like Rosa and Demons of the Punjab. Um, so. I'm wondering, do stories set in the past seem better than the contemporary or future stories? 
That's a good question. I think... um... I mean, me personally, if uh, just in terms of how I would rank the episodes up until now, I'd say yes, um, because even though, um, so even though you know we have uh, the woman who fell to earth, uh, the ghost monument, uh, Rackets in the UK, and and so on, which are I think good episodes, and I really enjoy them, and I would really happily rewatch them. The the better episodes up until now have been Rosa and Demons of the Punjab. I'd mm-hmm. I'd probably rank them one and two, respectively. Um I think it'll be interesting to see later on in the series how the Witchfinder is um how that deals with its historical setting, which is the seventeenth century. I think we have King James the First in that episode, played by Alan Cumming, I think. Yeah. Um so in that respect I think it'd be interesting to see how that episode um plays out. But up until now, yes, I would say that um, for me, the historical stories have been better. What, what yeah. do you think? No, I think you're right. I feel optimistic about the the upcoming episode you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's the issue with storytelling when you're telling a story that's set in the future or that's not earthbound. It's a big sandbox for the writers to play with and, I get, and they have to establish a whole world. And I guess it's easy to get that wrong. I guess when you're telling a story... Um, about historical events and um, that gives us something we can relate to um, and it gives them some fixed points to work on for the story yeah i mean there's yeah th- th- i think that's a good point there's a lot of research that a writer can really sink their teeth into i think that if you look if you look back at the william hartnell era which was the era that contained the most pure historicals mm-hmm um, as opposed to the, the pseudo-historicals which followed later, although they did start off in the Hartnell era with a time meddler. Um, I love the Hartnell era, but for me, again, it's it's the historicals are a lot better, and I think that I think the reason for that is because everyone involved in making those really got their teeth into in terms of the research, the quality of the writing was a lot better. Mm. Um, so even though, I mean, the science fiction stories, like the Daleks, was what really launched the show into popular consciousness and mm-hmm. made it massively popular with the Daleks. But I think that's got more to do with, I mean, Terry, Ra- Terry nation created a good story, but mm-hmm. I think that, I think what really uh, cemented them was, it was actually Raymond Cusick's design of the Daleks. If you got that wrong, I don't think the Daleks would have been particularly popular. It just so happens that I think it was the design and the look of the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which cemented their popularity. But if you look at the Hartnell era, for me, the better stories are Marco Polo, the Aztecs, the Crusade, which is one of my all-time favourites. Yeah. Because the writers really shine, and so did the production team and everyone involved. Um, later on, obviously, the, the historicals are sort of, uh, sort of ditched because they recognise that it's the science fiction stories that work. But I think it's interesting that what ends up happening is they either follow a formula, so you get the Patrick Chowton era and the base under siege story, so they've got a formula which they can cement a story around, or the series really starts to um, show its influences. So in the John Pertwee yeah. era, it's clearly influenced by Quatermass. In mm-hmm. the Tom Baker era, there's a lot of gothic horror, um, horror movies and literature that it... That, that inspires it in order to become 
in order to get his science fiction stories nailed. Nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. I'm ju- I'm just noticing, you know, the, the difference in um in how the series is produced. So so far with the, with the current series, yeah, I think um the historical stories are better, and I think for the reason that you mentioned, it it's probably because the, the writers. And I think, in particularly in this case, in Demons of the Punjab, uh, the writer Patel has um, clearly an emotional connection to Partition and wants to tell that story. And so there's a lot of... I mean, I, I, I don't know the, the writer's background, but mm. I I suspect that, you know, the, there's there's a family history there that, um, that they connect to. So there's, you know... The, there's the there's the family connection there's the emotional connection there's history in general mm. so obviously that that's that's um prime material for a writer to, to to really inspire them yeah whereas if you're writing something purely science fiction you you know trying to do something in you know far flung in the future yeah there may be some present concerns which influence you but it is a it is much more it can be hard to engage with it sometimes when it defies belief or you don't relate to it. Yeah, it's... Yeah. So I was reading in the Radio Times that... Well, it was the Radio Times website. And they've got, not, they've got an article where they speculate that all the villains this series could return. Mm-hmm. Because they don't exactly die. You've got, um, you've got the guy in the first episode. Yeah. And then you've got the the guy in rosa who is kind of um teleported away mm-hmm. through time um you've got the hotel owner in the arachnids episode who just kind of leaves at the end i mean i can't imagine that they all team up at the end of the series no i think i think that would be uh stretching things a bit but uh, yeah but i think um seeing them return i don't think is a far-fetched idea that there just seem to be a bit i mean certainly with uh, the villains in the first episode and in Rosa, as you say. Well, in fact, even uh, even the, the characters in the second episode, the Ghost Monument, um, they are teleported. You know, so you've got three episodes in a row where that happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be very surprised if they don't make a return, given how how they've left. And as as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, you know, these characters. Um, are really rather good and it would be it would be quite you know they certainly have the potential not not only in terms of how they left the episode but in terms of the characters themselves they have the potential to come back but yeah it's turned into a bit of a theme but we're only five episodes in that might just be coincidental six six episodes yeah <laughs> okay i know it's 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 a bit weird that we're more than halfway through through the series already yeah it, it is going really quick so next Friday, Children and Needs on, mm-hmm. and there's going to be some Doctor Who in that. Have you heard anything now? No, no, I haven't. I think, um, I mean, it may be something in in line with what we've had in the past, where it may be a mini episode. I can't see it being a, um, a sneak peek at the at a following episode or anything like that. I think it'd be its mini own self-contained thing. Yeah. Um, Having said that, though, it may be something completely different. It could be the cast surprise some of the fans of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Which seems more likely. Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, it, it could be any sort of like number of things, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's something to look forward to in uh, yeah. seeing what they do. We'll see. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, I think that covers everything today. Mm-hmm. Yep. If anyone would like to get in touch online, um, you can do that on Twitter, Facebook, and you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, anything you want to add to that? No, no, I think that's everything. And if you'd like to get in contact with your thoughts um, about the episode or anything Doctor Who related, then don't hesitate. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, and actually, in the, uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> just go, well, how are we supposed to get in contact with you? Uh, we'll have the, uh, we have the, the Twitter account and the Facebook page. All the links to those are on cloisterbell.co.uk. Okay, well, thanks for listening. And hopefully tune in next week where we will be discussing the next episode, Kablam. Oh, actually, because it has an explanation mark at the end, we've got to say Kablam! <laughs>